live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Wilson stands up straight. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. His eighth sack of the season. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Devontae Adams slot right. Matt Collins there as well. First and 10 on the Broncos, 35. Carr, play action again. Looking downfield, locks it near corner. Adams went over at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with the win. Touchdown, Devontae Adams, to win it here in Denver. Here's your boy Q. We are here at Buffalo Wild Wings. Going to be here at least one more hour, but there's a lot of good sports going on on these TVs, so even after the show gets wrapped up, may have to go ahead and do a little extra, extra show here. And Danny's like, wait, hold on. I didn't sign up for another hour. Nah, just, just saying. Going to be hanging out here for a while at Buffalo Wild Wings. So you definitely come on by, hang out with us. 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway in Henderson is the location. Been here for the afternoon throughout the course of the show. Been a lot of fun. Give out a lot of prizes. Have a bunch of tickets. Bunch of tickets to give out. UNLV against Nevada. UNR. It's going to be a... Going to be the rival game, so you know it's a it's a it's a tough fight all the time. I know UNLV hasn't closed out the season that the way that they wanted to, but there's nothing more than they want than to win this game at Allegiant Stadium tomorrow. So kickoff is at three o'clock. If you want to go, I have multiple pairs of tickets here, so you can take your whole family and enjoy some football action at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday. So uh, yeah, UNLV tickets I have here. I got the front row card show tickets. My man Jared was there actually from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas today holding it down, gave out a bunch of prizes, but it's also going on tomorrow. So if you want to go, got the $10 VIP ticket here for you. Got a bunch of those as well. So we're trying to give those away. Going to make sure we give them all away before we leave here. Now the question that I threw out there to start the show, I always like to bring a couple topics to the table. Always want to hear from you either on the phone lines or the text line at 69187 keyword R&R. And the phone line is 702 365 9,200, what will you be looking for? What are you looking for in this game on Sunday for the Raiders against Seattle? And what concerns you the most about the Seattle Seahawks and what they bring to the table as they're tied for first right now in the NFC West? Geno Smith leading the charge. Crazy. If you, if, if you had told me back in August that I'd be saying the first place Seahawks with Geno Smith leading the charge, I would have called you a liar. But I told you there's no way that that's real. But, in fact, it is real, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what's going down. So we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Go ahead, Danny, what you got? One of, I do got to give props to one of my friends who is a Seahawks fan, and okay. he was a believer from the start. Really? He actually placed a bet on them preseason to get 10 wins. Man, so you, okay, so you make bets, and then you run with everyone who makes bets. So uh, all your buddies are all betters too, man. A couple of them, yeah. <laughs> Danny, every time you contribute anything, it has to do with placing a bet or someone's placing a bet, something. I'm telling you, man, there's – hey, look, there's there's hotlines that you could call, brother. <laughs> is that to get, like, good picks or what? Oh, What's this hotline? It is to get help. <laughs> help with my picks? All right. Oh, What's that man, unbelievable. It's so funny. It's, it's the one week that you're here is the one week that we don't have Lee Sterling coming up on the show. Lee Sterling is on the show every single Friday at 4.30, as a matter of fact. 
giving out great advice on where to place your money, who to place your money on. And the one week that you're on the show and you'd actually probably take his advice immediately, he's not on the show. He, he actually can't join the show today because he, uh, he, uh, there's a football game that he's, like, flip, doing the coin toss for. So I mean, it's something pretty cool. But the one, the one week he can't join the show <laughs> is the one week that you actually would be the guy writing down all his advice and be like, ooh. All right, I can get some get some good money on this one. I right, put some good money on this one. Or that that man, that is funny. That is funny. But we will expect, or we are expecting to hear from Tim Booth in just a few minutes from the AP talking all things Seattle Seahawks. But we do want to hear from you. Like I said, six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. That's the text line. And then the phone line as well seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. What are you looking for in Sunday's game against the Seahawks, and what concerns you the most about the Seahawks? Also, Josh Jacobs ended up on the injury report. He's limited. With a calf injury, he's questionable for a Sunday. I think that that means he's going to go, but you just never know, right? In a calf injury, you don't want that calf, uh, you know, to get worse. So uh, I guess he tweaked it in practice, and that's never a good thing, but hopefully he's okay because the Raiders need him on Sunday. A couple quick texts, and then we'll get to Tim Booth from the AP. Vegas Pete said, questionable means 50-50. So most, if not all, will play, and there's multiple Raiders that are on the, uh, on the, the injury report as questionable. He said the key to the game is pressure on the quarterback. The corner blitzes have worked well. And, yeah, if you can rattle Geno a little bit, get some pressure on him, that's a great thing. It really is because he's having a really good season. But at the same time, if you can get some pressure on him, just rattle his cage a little bit, I think that that is a big deal. Uh, earlier in the show we were talking about Namdi Asamoah, and I was talking about Sam Webb, and I wanted to see him, how he bounced back, and we had someone text in saying that basically he stinks. And I'm thinking, no, he's not. He, he's actually a good player. He just had a bad day on Sunday against Denver. And so we started talking about Namdi. And uh, Big Dub Raiders said, Q, when Al voided Namdi's contract, that was the most I've been mad when the Raiders traded or released a player. I was confused when we traded number 52, not really mad. Go Raiders. And, yeah, I remember when, uh, when that clause was in the contract, and I know that's a, that's a controversial conversation. I know there's some people that have their theories about what happened with Namdi in his last couple years with the Raiders and that clause in his contract, uh, basically voiding his contract if he did – uh, if he didn't do better the next year, like if he – I forget what it was. It had to do with interceptions, and I don't think he got any interceptions one year. And so the next year, if he didn't get any interceptions, it would void his contract, and he didn't get any interceptions, so it voided, and then he ended up being a free agent. I remember when he went to the Eagles, I was at Central Texas at the time, and it was so funny because my buddy Zach, who's actually been on the show before, Zach Burke, he's a big Houston Texans fan, and the Texans needed a corner so bad. They need it. So he kept telling me, because I had a Namdi Asamoah jersey I used to wear to wear it to the radio station. He said, hey, man, uh, you might as well go ahead and just hand me that Namdi Asamoah jersey because he's going to end up being a Houston Texan. And I kept telling him, no chance, no chance, no chance. Little did I know the Eagles were going to go and sign him to a massive contract. And they did, and he went to Philly, and they didn't use him right. They tried to uh, p- play him in zone where he was a man. He's a press man cover. I mean, he was just really good when he was with the Raiders. Wasn't very good at all in Philly. They end up letting him go. He goes to the 49ers. Wasn't very good there. But, man, that was one. I'm with you, Big Dub Raider. That was one that made me angry, too, when, uh, when he was no longer a member of the Silver and Black. And then uh, 52, when, uh, when they traded Khalil Mack, that was the end of my jerseys. I was like, no, there's no more. No more getting jerseys. I was, I was shell-shocked after that. I ended up with a Josh Jacobs jersey. I do have a Josh Jacobs jersey, but it was a gift. It was gifted to me, and so I use it for good luck on game days. You know, usually I'll sit it out on the couch or whatever like that and, you know, have, and hope Josh has a really big day and the Raiders win games. But, uh, yeah, 
52 and Namdi, man, those two guys, those are the ones that really ended it for me when it comes to jerseys. I was like, no, no. Now, now if I buy a jersey, which I don't, I haven't bought one in a long time, but if I were to buy one, it would be, you know, like a throwback jersey. And uh, those are the ones that I was comfortable with because those guys are already retired. So you know that you're good to go. If you're going to go buy a jersey, that's the way to do it. Get them once they are retired. But definitely get those calls rolling in, 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword r What are you looking for in the game on Sunday versus Seattle and what concerns you the most about the Seattle Seahawks? Now to get us uh, uh, up to date and up to speed with all things uh, Seattle Seahawks is our good friend Tim Tim Booth joins us now on the phone lines from the AP and Tim thanks so much for your time this afternoon I do appreciate you and the the Seahawks they're coming off their bye week so what is a Pete Carroll team how good is a Pete Carroll team coming off the bye week you know what most times they play pretty well which you know kind of falls in line with how uh, how that team has operated since Pete uh, arrived can't believe it 12 years ago now um, <laughs> but they, they typically you know they bounce back well from losses Typically, when they come back off of their bye week, um, they, they've played pretty well. So I would expect a team that's mostly healthy right now, um, pretty well rested after that long overseas trip to um, to Germany when they lost to the Bucks, and and one that you know I think is is wanting to maybe not so much reestablish their identity, but they got away from some things in that loss to the Bucks, and I think they they want to get back to a little bit of the way they were playing in the weeks before that. Um, this week against the Raiders. You know, not only are they coming off the bye week, not only are they well-rested, the injury report, like you said, they look very healthy, but they're also playing at home. Why is it such a tough place to play up there in Seattle? Well, I mean, it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's always the first thing. Is that it's, just, it's really loud, and teams, you know, as much as they try and prepare for it with, you know, piped-in noise and, and loudspeakers and whatever during the week, it's still just a different animal when they first get out there and, and hear it for the first time and have to learn how to communicate in that kind of, um, in that kind of environment this year. It's, it's kind of weird in that this year it's sort of a renewed noise or a, a renewed atmosphere that's been around this, this team when they played at home because the expectations were so low coming into the year and, and the way that they have, you know, sort of over, um, you know, played played above and beyond what what most people were expecting, has kind of I, I guess rejuvenated the fan base in some ways. Clearly, the the opening win over Denver and how amped up everybody was for that game helped. But all in all, it's it's kind of like it's been a fresh start this year, and I think the fan base is feeling that too. I think they're enjoying the way that this team is playing right now, um, and it's and it's translating. And then you throw in you know, in, inclement weather. Like, I think it's supposed to rain on Sunday. And, you know, teams just aren't used to 41 degrees and sideways rain that sometimes will blow through um, this time of year and in playing in that kind of environment. So all of that adds up to make it a very difficult place, no matter, the, the, you know, the time of year or the or the quality of the way Seattle's playing for, for an opponent to come in and, and find success. Talking all things Seahawks right now with Tim Booth from the AP here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How surprised are you by the way that the Seahawks are playing this season as they're doing really well and tied for first in the NFC West right now? I mean, I'm I, based on what I expected before the year, I'm very surprised. Like, I thought – I didn't think they were going to be as bad as most people made them out to be. I thought there were going to be – I thought defensively they were going to be okay and that they would really struggle offensively. Um, in some ways, it's been sort of the flip of that. They they were they were trying to figure things out offensively early in the season, and or excuse me, on d- defense early in the season. But the offense has played above above average ever since week three. You know, from week three beyond, 
they have been an above average NFL offense. And it all starts with how well Geno Smith has played. It, it, no matter no matter what you want to point to in terms of their success this year, it all goes back to the way that Geno is operating this offense, the efficiency that he's playing with, um, the decisions that he's making, the right decisions that he's making, the right chances that he's taking. All those things are adding up to be just this phenomenal comeback story this year of a guy who was a cast off who everybody remembers from his struggles in New York and is sort of completely forgotten about over the years to now probably the leader for comeback player of the year and probably Saquon Barkley at this point um, would be, would be the lead guys for that. So um, overall, I'm very surprised the rookies have played above and beyond, you know, what you would typically expect for a rookie class um, they've gotten contributions from a few sort of journeyman veterans that have come in and found their found the right kind of roles in this system with the Seahawks. Um, and, and they're playing a very complimentary style of football, which is exactly how Pete Carroll has always wanted to play. It just got kind of out of whack at times um, in the later portion of Russell Wilson's tenure here, where it was a little bit more quarterback driven. And now it's a little bit more team driven overall. And, and, in that environment, Geno Smith is thriving because he's not being asked to do do everything for this team to have success. So, Tim, let me ask you this about Geno. Is he the long-term solution in Seattle, or is he the solution right now? It's a good question. I think I think right now, if you, if you pulled general manager John Schneider aside and said, okay, what is your vision for the future now? I think they would be like, let's see what we can do about keeping Geno around for a couple more years. Mm. And then in the interim – you go out and you find your next guy. Right. They have they have the kind of draft capital that they have they have just not had um, because of the success that they've had and because of some trades that they have made this year and next year. They have the kind of draft capital they just haven't had very often um, during you know this run that they've been on. So this is the opportunity to find that next guy, that next quarterback, that next Russell Wilson, without having to necessarily throw him out there right away and be the guy from day one. So that that's the argument for why you would want to keep Gino around and let and see if you can come up with like a two or maybe even three year deal that's team friendly that that compensates him well above the 3.5 million that he's making this year. <laughs> um but but also allows you to start building for the future and, and looking at what options are out there. Tim I Booth. tend to think that I tend to think that's the way they're gonna go. Yeah. But but who knows? No, that makes sense. It really does. And it's if you can do that, you know, that's an ideal situation if you can work that out. that That's a great situation without, like you said, having to throw a young guy uh, right out there into the fire and saying, go ahead, make it happen. So, yeah, if they could pull that off, that would be uh, that would be pretty good for the team. Again, Tim Booth is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 talking all things Seahawks. So the big play ability that the Seahawks have has impressed me. Obviously, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, earlier in the week, D.K. said that Tyler Lockett is probably the most underrated wide receiver. I think I agree with him on, on that. Why is Tyler Lockett so underrated? Because, man, he is good. I remember him coming out of K-State. Because he's not big and he's not flashy. Yeah. He just he just goes out and, and makes plays. He, ca- he catches passes. He takes care of himself. He's gotten some criticism in the last couple of weeks because there were a couple of plays during the uh, game against the Bucks where uh, he, he caught a pass and he sort of dived down and, and avoided taking a, a unnecessary hit. Like, he wasn't going to get any more yardage. He just decided to save his body from – from taking an extra hit. Um, so he's, he's not, he's just, he's not big. He's not flashy. He is 
a workmanlike wide receiver who go out there and catch every, can run every route you need from him, can go out and make every catch that you need. And then every so often is going to take the top off and, and go for 65 yards and, and, and beat you deep for, for a touchdown. He's just, he's just that kind of receiver. He's so um, steady is kind of a, I, I don't think that's the right word, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. He's just a very steady and capable and just excellent wide receiver. And I think, because he's on the smaller side from a stature standpoint, because he has DK Metcalf on his team, who's this big behemoth of a, of a man, just this, you know, Herculean sort of wide receiver. Um, he, he gets just kind of overlooked at times, but if you watch his routes, if you watch the way he runs, if you watch his hands, if you watch the quality of the catches that he makes, um, he's, he's, he should be regarded up there with, you know, he's not, he's not in the elite elite class of right. wide receivers, but he's certainly in the upper tier of what a good quality NFL wide receiver is. Yeah, no, he's really good. I like him a lot. And again, I remember his his playmaking ability coming out of K State, and that was really just on special teams. But man, he's done he's done some great things as a wide receiver up there in Seattle. Tim Booth is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. For the longest, the offensive line has always been a question mark in Seattle, and you know they go out and and uh, add some young guys in the draft onto that offensive line, and they're looking pretty good. Uh, how impressive is it that that line was able to come together the way it has it's it's like you, you just said it it's been for for Pete Carroll's tenure with the exception of maybe the year they went they won the Super Bowl it has been a constant problem the offensive line whether it was too much pressure on the quarterback whether it was not enough depth because of injuries what have you it has always been a problem and for whatever reason getting those two rookies and getting them as your bookend tackles has completely stabilized this unit up to this point um, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross are the, are the real deal. They are exceptional tackles, especially when you consider that they're rookies and, and the way that they have come in and more than held their own. The Seahawks are not having to necessarily game plan on a regular basis to help them out. They just say, hey, go out and block. You know, this week it'll be Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. You know, in previous weeks it's been J.J. Watt and uh, Zach Allen. It's been you know, name your name your elite pass rusher that they've had to go up against so far, and both of them have more than hold their own. And because they're not having to help, um, they're not having to slide protections to help those guys, then it's made it easier for the interior of the line to remain solid, whether with Austin Blythe at center, Damian Lewis at one guard, and then they've kind of gone into a rotation of Gabe Jackson and um, Phil Haynes at the other guard position, which Typically, rotations, even in-game rotations, don't work. But for whatever reason, this sort of rotation pattern that they're in right now is is finding success. So um, the stability and the way that group is playing is is beyond what – again, this is, this is another area where everybody thought before the season this was going to be a weakness right. or could be a weakness. And they played above and beyond what everyone expected so far. Um and, and they've stayed healthy to this point, too, which has been a big deal. And if they, if they continue to do that, then I think that offense is going to continue to find success. For the Seahawks to win this game on Sunday, what has to happen for them? I think they need to run the ball. And that was sort of the big thing that came out of the loss to the Bucks was they just never got the run game established. And when they don't get the run established, they struggle to stay on the field and convert third downs. They had a ton of third and long situations, especially early in the game against the Bucks, And they just could not stay on the field. They had very little, um, they had very little possession, especially in the first half. 
Kenneth Walker, the, the standout rookie running back, finished with 17 yards mm. on 10 carries. That's not that's not the right uh, that's not the right value proposition for Seattle to have success offensively. So I think you're going to see a lot of Kenneth Walker. I think you're going to see them really focus on getting back to the run because when they it's sort of the thing around the NFL this year. People are going back to running the ball. Yeah. And when you're and for Seattle, when they have success running the ball, that's when Geno Smith can kill you. That's when DK Metcalf can kill you. That's when their array of tight ends that they throw out there can can do damage in, in the passing game. So I think for offensively, you're gonna see Seattle run the ball a lot. Defensively, their pass rush has just been different at home. Uchenna Nuosu, who Raiders fans know from his time with the Chargers has been really, really good, but he's been really, really good at home. Mm. And that goes back into the noise factor and, and how teams just might be a half a second slow getting off the ball um, when you're having to deal with that kind of noise and chaos that comes with playing in Seattle. So I think the pass rush and getting some um, pressure on Derek Carr is going to be really important. And then I'm fascinated to see Devontae Adams go up against <laughs> Tariq Wollin, yeah. Seattle's rookie cornerback. I, I I might not even watch what's happening at the line of scrimmage. I might just watch <laughs> them as they're, yes. as they're going out there because I'm really curious to see one of the absolute elite, you know, route runners, pass catchers in the NFL go up against this kid who so far has passed every test that has been thrown his way to the point where teams are actually, have actually gone and avoided throwing at him. Wow. Um, we've seen that a few times this year already where – He'll only get targeted once or twice in an entire game. So I really want to see that matchup. I think it's going to be just excellent to watch. Yeah, Tariq Woolen. I was a big fan of his coming out of UTSA and uh, love what he's doing up there in Seattle. And for some reason, Tim, as you very well know, the Seahawks find ways to find uh, cornerbacks, right? They just find them. Yep. It's just they just get them. Certain organizations are really good at finding certain type players. And for some reason, Seattle has a knack, and they know what they're looking for when it comes to the corner position. Woolen, you got Kobe Bryant, you got Michael Jackson. I mean, you just go on and on and on. Those guys are going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, so Tim, final question for you. If there's a weakness that the Seahawks have, something that you think that the Raiders could try to exploit in trying to get a victory themselves, what would you think it is? Seattle's not been great at the run, at stopping the run. I mean, okay. um, they've they've had their they've had their fits and stops this year with that. They've had some games where they've been outstanding, and then the Bucks chewed them up um, for over 100 yards. So that's kind of been the key this year. If they struggle stopping the run, teams are able to keep possession, they're able to stay on the field, um, and they're able to to churn out drives and keep Seattle's offense on the sideline. So that I think is, is the number one thing is can Josh Jacobs get started? Can the Raiders establish a, a, a run game that, that keeps, you know, Dino Smith and those guys uh, as spectators sitting there, sitting there on the sideline. And then it goes, and then I think it's, it's the blitz packages and the pass rush uh, ability of the Raiders. Can they, can they get home? Can they do some different things? Can they bring guys from different angles from, from different looks to get to, Geno Smith when he does drop back the pass. Um, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of blitz success against Seattle this year, but but there has been when, when teams have been successful getting in there, that's another time when Seattle has struggled offensively. So I think it's can Josh Jacobs get going and can the Raiders get some pressure um, on on Geno Smith and just disrupt that offense from working in the, the timing 
that it wants to function at. There it is right there. That's great little uh, rundown right there. It gives you a great idea of what to expect on Sunday. Seattle and the Raiders as they uh, kick off. It should be a fun game. Tim, anything you got coming out on the AP that you're working on that uh, Raider fans should be on the lookout for? Maybe to get a little bit more analysis on the Seahawks. Uh, we'll have our we'll have our game preview stuff uh, going out today, so people okay. can search for search for that and and track it down. And and then uh, on Sunday we'll be back up in Seattle uh, <laughs> getting ready for what should be what should be a very uh, a very entertaining game. Yes, to say the least, it should be very entertaining. It's always great when the Raiders and the Seahawks get together, old AFC West uh, division foes, but obviously they're not in the division anymore, but it used to be a fun a fun little matchup a couple times a year. Well, Tim, great stuff as always. Definitely appreciate you, my man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully you had a really good holiday on Thursday, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday as well. Thanks, you. Appreciate it. There he goes, Tim Booth right there from the AP. Uh, really good breakdown of the Seattle Seahawks, what to expect, how the season's gone. Geno Smith, the offensive line, I think the offensive line's not getting enough credit. That's been a problem for a long time with the, with the Seahawks. And all of a sudden now, they're putting together, they put some draft capital into the offensive line. Of course, Raider Nation knows old Gabe Jackson, old faithful Jake, Gabe Jackson. Uh, he's up there as well doing his thing, but that offensive line is a lot better than it used to be. And so that's been helping in a major way with that team. So definitely something to pay attention to in this game on Sunday. Again, we're here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway uh, in Henderson. Mickey and Mary just walked in. So Jason and Demi, the wife, Mickey and Mary, are all here at the bar having a good time. So as I mentioned, uh, probably going to be here a lot later than 5 o'clock. So you can uh, come on by and hang out with us. We've met some really good people, handed out a bunch of tickets. I still have some front row card show tickets. I uh, have a couple more Raider Nation Radio 920 cups and some koozies. I'll uh, give those out as well. But Raider Nation, I also want to hear from you. I'm going to try to uh, hustle my man Mickey to come over here and give us his thoughts on the game on uh, on Sunday. So we'll do that when we come back. But I also want to hear from you on the phone lines, 702-365-9200. I know it's Black Friday. We'll light them up. Light them up and hit up the text line as well, 69187, keyword r The two questions that I asked this afternoon, what are you looking for in the game on Sunday versus Seahawks, and what concerns you the most about Seattle in this game? Again, hit us up, 702-365-9200, 69187, keyword r This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway, Henderson, Buffalo Wild Wings is where I'm at. This is the spot. Got a lot of good friends in the building, family and friends. Mickey and Mary are in the building. Demi and Jason are in the building. The wife's in the building. All we need is you in the building. Come on by, hang out with us. Again, 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway in Henderson is the location. Buffalo Wild Wings, talking all things silver and black. I want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also the text line, 69187, keyword r What are you looking for in Sunday's game against Seattle? And what concerns you the most about the Seahawks? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our guy, Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Q? Hopefully you had a blessed uh, Thanksgiving. Thanks for your hard work, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, so uh, I'll make it short and sweet, man. The middle of the field on both sides. If they're going to rush, uh, if they're going to rush us, then that's going to leave the uh, middle of the field open. We're going to have to get Foster Moreau involved in some quick slants, and then on defense, the middle of the field has been a, a nightmare for us uh, in games. So, um, you know, with them having guys like Noah Fant and some other tight ends, uh, we got to protect the middle of the field. So, I'm just going to leave it short and sweet. Protect the middle, and we got to ta- attack the middle. So, much love, appreciate you, and Raider Nation for life. All right, there he goes, Hardcore Raider. And, yeah, man, the middle of the field has been an issue, to say the least, right? 
Uh, I like to say uh, wide open like some old school TV antennas. That's exactly what it's been. It is wide open. The middle of the field has been a problem. Uh, the Raiders need to make sure that they're able to defend that and, and get that cleaned up. Uh, you know, and, and uh, going back to penalties, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to is they gotta they gotta cut down and start eliminating some of those penalties. So uh, that's that's just a couple things to talk about. But uh, we want to hear from you again: seven zero two three six five nine two hundred, text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Now, as I mentioned, my guy Mickey is in the building. It's my buddy. This is my family man. He's here in the building. Mary is the camera lady. She's taking pictures. She's doing all kinds of – she's rolling video. I don't know what – she's going to put this out on TikTok, on YouTube, on every one of those other social medias. But, Mickey, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Q. Hey, man. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, bro. Yes, you too. Hopefully you and the family uh, did it big. And, had a man, I'll tell you, it's, it's a struggle the day after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. <laughs> it almost <laughs> ought to be like the next day is an automatic day off for everybody. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree, man. It's rough. It's rough. But I'm hanging in there. Yes, yeah, yes. Ho- hopefully the players aren't uh, indulging too much and uh, right. they'll be ready for Sunday. Well, I'll tell you, they were at practice on Thursday on yes. Thanksgiving. Went out there and uh, we had an opportunity to get in the locker room. They were there today. So uh, Josh Jacobs, he came up on the injury list. He's got a calf injury. Uh, he was limited. Uh, how big is that if, uh, to you if Josh Jacobs can't go? I think it's very big because um, uh, Josh Jacobs and Devontae, I think they have been feeding off each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he can't go, I mean, calf strings are really funny. Yeah. Hopefully it's uh, not – it's a very mild – version of one because mm-hmm. um, that can be that can really that can really uh, hold him down you know for a little bit so I'm hopefully uh, he'll he'll play um, but we're gonna need him for the stretch run as well yep and he's been relatively healthy healthy this year so we just need to continue on building on what we did last weekend and the last game and uh, against the Broncos and just take it week by week yeah absolutely and you're right about calf injuries man I mean you just don't know you know, the severity of it, he was limited in practice. It was all week long. He was mm-hmm. fine. And then all of a sudden he popped up today. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little uh, you know, so yeah. it's one of those things like, ah, I don't know, you right. know, and right. you don't want to push him because you don't want it to get worse. And right. so I don't know what's, what the case is going to be, but, you know, always there's always been so many questions about him and, and durability, and he's been great all season mm-hmm. long. So I hate this for him personally. Right. I know he wants to be out there. So hopefully we see him. Uh, mm-hmm. as, far as, as far as other things that you're looking for in this game, I mean, like you said, build off of what they did against Denver, but where, where is like an area of not even concern, but just what you're looking for in this game? Um, looking for them to cut down on the penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been you know, they're playing better uh, week to week, but still shooting themselves in the foot a little bit when it comes to, uh, you know, just uh, execution. Um, of the offense, and it kind of holds back sometimes the defense a little bit, sometimes mm-hmm. holds back the offense. So I think week by week they've been improving, but now we're getting to the point where um, they, they need to try to stack wins just to end the season on a positive note. And you never really know because you win a few games in a row, yeah. and then you're right back in the hunt for a wild card. Man, for real. And I know last year when they went on that four-game winning streak, I was the first one to tell you that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> and then they did. And so I was pleasantly surprised, and I was pleasantly wrong. I'm like, I have no problem with that. That's good. But now this is a tall task. But, if they, I mean, like you said, if they win a game on Sunday, mm-hmm. and the Chargers, they're right there in front of them. They only have five wins. Exactly. Exactly. And I think – you just got to, you know, they took care of business against the Broncos. Take it week to week. Let's see what happens in Seattle. And then they're in a situation where, you know, not looking ahead too far, but then you have the, the, the charges. Yep. And you put you win those three games, 
Man. We, start, we might start to, you know. Start talking. See start some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, no, you, you could, and you never know. And then I don't know if Waller's going to come back and, and Renfro. They have to miss at least two more games, so mm-hmm. that's this week and next week. But they're eligible to come back off of a IR following the Charger game. So right, right. say you win those two games. And, again, I hate getting too far ahead of myself, but say you win those two games. Then all of a sudden you get more weapons back. Right. You know, possibly. Yeah. And then, you know, you never know. You never, never yeah. know. I'm, I'm taking this, 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 this season, same approach. As when, was, was, when the team went through all that adversity last yeah, year. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, a, a week to week, one game at a time, which mm-hmm. is pretty much how Josh McDaniels and uh, this, this regime seems to run and operate anyway. So I think if they take that approach, you know, we got a good shot. Just to, just But just one week at a time. Yep. One week at a time. And every week's going to be tough. No doubt. No doubt. Every game is going to be a, a very hard game. And, you know, they just they, that's the only way to look at it. You've mm-hmm. only got to go 1-0 one, one every week. Right? Just 1-0 yeah. every one week. 1-0 every I mean, week. It, it just, that's, exactly. you know, it's easier said than done. But it's, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's just you just got to focus on uh, the now. Whatever is right now is what you have to do. And you have to hope for some help. Nate Hobbs, he might be coming back. That would be big if he comes back, Huge. you know. So that's that's also something to look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, all right, final question for you. What concerns you the most about the Seahawks? Uh, the Seahawks always seem to be a very disciplined team. Um, I think that, you know, they've, uh, you know, done well with Geno Smith. And uh, they, they seem to, you know, when everyone had them written off, like you said. Yeah, I wrote them off. Yeah, me too. They're going to be getting the number one pick overall. Me too. They lost <laughs> Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with their, you know, with their, their offensive line, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gelling. And uh, they have just, you know, you, you have DK Metcalf and you have, you know, um, Tyler Lockett. I mean, those are weapons you always have to, uh, to worry about. Yep. Um, and they have a good running game. So, they're, and, you know, and the defense usually, even without stars, usually plays – solid football and good situational football so hopefully um you know that's what i that's what i expect from them i just hope that if we i I think that if we can eliminate the penalties and and build on what we did last week i think we have a good shot well i'll tell you what man you better start breaking down the game like this they're gonna start they're gonna employ you and they're gonna i'm gonna gonna be on the outside looking in they're gonna be like well who who needs q we got mickey man never that never that Never that. I heard that. Well, what you got <laughs> going on on this Black Friday, man? What you and Mary out doing? Just taking it easy, man, and, uh, you know, I'm still, uh, you know, recovering from yesterday. I heard that. Me but, too. Um, but <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta make room for, for Christmas. So, oh, man. Okay, so let me take it easy. Let take me ask you this because and the wife's over there, and you know that the wife, yeah. uh, the wife loves to decorate, and I'm not decorating anything. I don't decorate anything. Are you decorating the house and all that? Not much. Just we're just gonna do a tree. We're gonna keep it simple. Okay. You know, just oh, a tree? No, we have see we have a lot of neighbors that do that. Okay. So we just drive around the neighborhood, <laughs> go from street to street. That's and, right. And That's enjoy all their. You hear homework. that, wife? <laughs> you hear that? We're just gonna drive around and look at lights. We don't need any lights. <laughs> That's, That's right. I'm telling you, look, man. We're gonna we're gonna come over to your house and look at the tree too, because I don't even plan on putting up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's not here good. trying to put up you're a tree. All, I'm telling you. You're always welcome, Q. <laughs> always welcome. We got it. I got it. I got the problem solved. I mean, yes. where's, where's the wife at? Wife, we solved the problem, wife. We don't need a tree. We can go to Mickey and Mary's house and look at their tree, and then we can drive around the neighborhood and look at lights. We're good. <laughs> 
She gave me the. She shook me off. She shook me off. Imagine that. The wife shook me off. Imagine that. <laughs> Happens all the time. She you overrules me. There it is. Well, Mickey, thanks so so much for your time, my I man. Appreciate I appreciate you, you hanging doing out. What you're with doing, me. man. Absolutely. I listen every day, man. That's my I, guy. There you go. Checks in the mail, brother. It's a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing to have our, our own radio station. That's right. That's right. There he goes. My guy, Mickey, right there, who's gonna put up enough lights for all of us. We're gonna share. We're gonna share his lights and his tree. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Thanks so so much, brother. I appreciate you. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Just like that. Just like Mickey had the uh, amazing breakdown of the Seahawks, what to look for, what he's looking for. I want to hear what you want to see in that game as well. We have enough time. And if you want to give us your your, are you putting up the lights today? I mean, it's you know it's Black Friday. Danny came in with the Santa hat on originally. He didn't had to shed the Santa hat now because he got too hot in that studio, but. Is that what happened? Is that where the hat went? Yeah, it got a little warm in here. I started sweating a little bit. <laughs> it's all good. It is all good. So, uh, yeah, hit us up. Let us know uh, what you got going on and, and where you're doing it and how you're hanging out and all that good stuff. You can let us know about that. But then tell us about the game, too. We want to, we want to know about the game as well. We want to know your thoughts on, on the game, what you're going to be looking for, and all that good stuff. Uh, we got a text at 69187, keyword r from the Mailman Raider. Raider, excuse me, Mailman Raider. Q, I never bet on my own team, but when I do, they get injured in practice the day I make the bet. Tell Jacobs I'll trade calves with them. Mailmen have very strong calves. I love it. I love it. See what happened? You, you, you fell into Danny's trap, started betting, and then that's what happens. You know, it's funny. I used to make little, obviously not gambling, but I just make little bets with, with friends here and there, like on a game here and there. Oh, I'll bet you five bucks in this game. Anytime, and I mean anytime, I ever had any kind of money on a game, it always went the other way for me. It never, ever, ever, every time, whenever I'd make a bet, I was like, why did I do that? Now I know that the team's going to lose, and they would, and it usually wasn't even close. You know, I bet on some games, I was like, okay, cool, this game, is no doubt they're going to win it, and then, boom, they'd get smoked. And it, it, it's, I mean, it could be a random basketball game or whatever, but like I said, it would be just, you know, a little, little, little side action, not no Danny action. Danny... You uh, you're in the studio on your phone trying to trying to place bets now. You said the website's down. Ah, uh, it was down earlier, but it's back up. <laughs> nice. So I, I don't want you to uh, I don't want you to miss out on any action at all. No, I'm I'm done for today. I don't have anything until probably uh, football on sa- uh, Sunday. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, uh, no football tomorrow. It's a big football day tomorrow. College football? No college football tomorrow? Not right now, but I that could change. I might roll with our with our UNLV Rebels because Ooh. it's senior night. They want to get the cannon back for the first time in two or three years. Yeah, it's been a while, man. And with a win, their odds of going to a bowl game increases, although it's not definite. But Yeah, what, okay, break that down. I, 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 don't, I haven't done the whole science and the whole math behind it, but I know that if they, they win – Mathematically, there's a chance they can go to a bowl game, but you have to win six, but technically you don't have to. So what's the math behind that? So I don't know the exact number. I think it's like 74 or 78 bowl game slots are available. So obviously half of that is however many bowl games they have. Uh, Even with a couple of the teams winning this weekend, there's not going to be enough six-win teams to fill all of the bowl games. Uh, So then it goes down to this other thing. I don't know if it's like APR or ARP or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And from what I've been told, it basically comes down to the team GPA or something along those lines. Mm. That's why uh, coaches and athletic directors and all that, they 
obviously on top of graduating and all that, they push good academics for this exact reason. I, yeah, and that's all good and all, but I don't like it. I really I, don't. I, I don't really either. I think it should come down to, like, strength of schedule. I think it should come down to winning six games, <laughs> right? I mean. The only downside to that is if you don't have enough teams, then companies have to, well, then bowl games get canceled, companies lose their sponsorship, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know, but it's like, it's like teams are getting rewarded for not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. It's like us getting a raise for underachieving. That never happens. Uh, well, I, I got to <laughs> tell you, I did have good grades in college. Okay. <laughs> so are you going to go to a bowl game or are you going to get a raise <laughs> or both? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll check out the Las Vegas Bowl this year. There, there you go. There you go. You take Danny's good grades into Natalie's office and be like, hey, I'm not doing very well at the job, but I had really good grades. Can I get a raise? <laughs> I can give you a good idea of what she's going to tell you. But oh, I'm that. sure I know what, what's going to be told <laughs> to me going in. Exactly. No doubt. So, by the way, I had this idea. I want to run it by you real quick, boss. Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. So there's that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I just kind of wish that they had to have six wins. But you're right. I mean, sponsorships. And you know the thing else about bowl games and not all bowl games, like the Las Vegas Bowl, you know, all the games that we're affiliated with, everyone watches those. But, but not everyone watches bowl games, right? I mean, a lot of times bowl games are perfect for Buffalo Wild Wings, right. where I'm at right now. Yep. That's what bowl games are great for. They're on TV. You'll look up and see them and be like, oh, hey, cool, there's a football game on. But half the time, the bowl games aren't even that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just they're like the pinstripe bowl. That was cool the first year that they did it just because it was in Yankee Stadium. I was like, oh, that's cool. After that, I was like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was cool the first year, but then I was over it after that. And, you know, there's other ones. You know, now if you're going to a really good location – then that's cool. You know, there's certain places that are awesome to go and you're just going on vacation. I know that they have the they have the nice um, like gift bags that they give the, the guys for going. But again, that's it's like you're getting rewarded for something. So you've got to get six wins. I remember what bowl was it that Baylor went to? I think they went to like the Texas Bowl. And I was like, OK, you know, OK, you're driving down the street to go to San Antonio. And I guess if you have never been to the to the Riverwalk, that's cool. But if you're from Texas, you've most likely been to the Riverwalk, right? So, you know, I think like 90% of those guys had already been there. So it's like, all right, well, whatever. I think that was one of their first bowls that they had got to when they were trying to, you know, get rolling. I thought for UNLV, and I totally don't even know how I got on this UNLV ramp, but that's cool. Um, for UNLV, man, it would have been such a big boost for the program just to get to that six wins, right? Absolutely. I mean, they, you know what I mean? Like Marcus Arroyo started out the season really hot, and, of course, uh, the last couple seasons have been rough for UNLV, and you think that, man, you get to that six wins, you get that bowl eligibility, then you go to a game, that's a great reward. Then the players are feeling good about themselves. Now you have a culture as you're starting to build in the program. So for them to be on the losing streak that they're on right now really stinks, man, because I thought I was just, man, I knew that they had that six wins in the back. I was like, oh, they got this. Yeah, got and this. especially last week in Hawaii, that hurt yeah. really bad. Yeah, it did. That was a rough one, man. That was a – that was a kick in the in the in the gut, man, because that that's one that you've got to have that one. You've got to have that one. And then that makes the, the game tomorrow, which I gave a bunch of tickets out uh, to that game at Allegiant Stadium. So it's going to be a lot of uh, happy fans going to the game for free. If it ain't free, it ain't me. But, uh, man, it makes tomorrow's game that much bigger. Right. I mean, oh, just yeah. not only are you trying to get the cannon, but you're also trying to get bowl eligibility. 
Yep, and I senior mean, night. And senior night. Man, that's like everything just on top of everything is uh, that would be huge. But unfortunately, uh, they didn't get that. But it was still to at least close out the season, bowl game or not, it would be, it'd be great to see them uh, get the Fremont Cannon back and, and paint that thing red for the first time in, in quite a while. Uh, let's see, we got a tweet from a guy, A-Train. If Jacobs can't play, who should I start, Zamir White, Abdullah, or Brown? I'm assuming he means in fantasy football. And that's the thing. If Jacobs can't play, and I'm not talking about fantasy football, I'm just talking about in general for the game, like Zamir White has eight career carries so far. That's it. He's got eight career carries. So, you know, I know everyone wants to see him. I want to see him too. I want to see what he's able to do. But you just know how important Josh Jacobs is. So I don't really know what it looks like. I don't know what Zamir White looks like in the in the regular season because we haven't seen it. We've seen eight carries. That's it. Abdullah is more of a – he's not really a carry the rock 20 times guy. He's a catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a screen guy, you know, play the screen game with him, you know, stuff like that. I'm, I'm looking forward to Amir Abdullah in the return game. That's one element that I really want to see because I feel like the return game has been getting better and better each and every week. And last week it felt like he was so close to breaking one. I'm even going to go out on a limb, and I don't do this too often. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Amir Abdullah is going to break one on Sunday. I'm going to say that he's going to, he's going to have a, a kick return and take it to the house. I'll be the first time they have a kick return since, what, Jacoby Ford did it? I think he was the last one to do it for the Silver and Black, and that was years ago. I know that there was a punt return. We talk about this all the time. There was a punt return from, uh, from Dwayne Harris. But as far as a kick return, I think Jacoby Ford was the last one. So, got who? Oh, okay. All right, we'll go to Bill in just a second. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's going to be my big prediction for the game, that Amir Abdullah is going to have a kick return touchdown. Boom. Book it. We'll talk about it on Monday, how I called it. There you go. Place a bet on that, Danny. Place a bet on that, man. I'm <laughs> sure on, I could. Get online right now. Get online right now. I want you on your app. Place that bet. Can't miss. That's a lock. That's a level three lock. That's Uh-oh. all the way up. Uh-oh. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me get that sound for DeMond for next week. There, hey, pull that. I'm telling you. Lock that in. Pull it. I want that in the intro next week. Amir Abdul is taking one to the house. Lock it in. Bill, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? All right. Bill was like, man, after that, I'm gone. <laughs> Bill was like, I'm gone after that. I'm not messing with you, Q. So that's all right. Bill, you have a couple seconds. You can hit us back. If, if not, it's all good. But, yeah, that's going to be, you know, as we talked to Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Silver and Black earlier, that's going to be what I pay attention to the most, right, is, is the Josh Jacobs storyline. You know, we don't. there's not going to be another injury report come out. They'll just be the actives and actives. But, you know, Saturday night, you know, Shefty, Ian Rappaport, they start start tweeting out who they expect to play and who they don't. Sources say so-and-so is going to play. I'm going to be locked in paying attention to that. I will be locked in every single Saturday night. Shefty does. I think I want to say it's around 10 o'clock. He tweets out exactly who is who he believes is going to play and who's expected to play and not. So that's that's something that I'm paying attention to in a major way. If Josh doesn't go, man, it's going to be – the Devontae Adams show and, and them. Like uh, Raider Fish and Berkeley says, and them. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Devontae and them because who knows? Who knows who's going who's gonna to come to the party? But it's going to be very interesting. So uh, quick nugget. I had this, and I, I forgot I had it at the end of our 
I had this uh, information that I wanted to pass along from NFL Communications. Dominant Devontae. Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams recorded his third career overtime touchdown last week, tied with Pro Football Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson for the most overtime touchdowns in NFL history. He ranked second in the NFL with 10 touchdowns receptions uh, and became the fourth player ever with at least 10 touchdown receptions in at least six of his first nine seasons, joining Pro Football Hall of Famers Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, and Randy Moss. Adams has recorded at least 125 receiving yards and a touchdown reception in each of his past three games, and in Seattle on Sunday can become the fifth player in NFL history with at least 125 receiving yards and a touchdown reception in four consecutive games. The players with the most consecutive games with at least 125 receiving yards and a touchdown within a single NFL history. Odell Beckham Jr. did it four times in 2014. Josh Gordon with the Browns did it in 2013 four times. Uh, Calvin Johnson with Detroit, the, the Lions did it in 2012 four times. Uh, and then Carolina, Patrick Jeffers did it in, in Carolina four times in 99. And Devontae Adams has done it three times. So he can be the fifth one in NFL history to do that. So that'd be pretty cool. So I'd love to see that. So, Danny, thank you so much for your great work, man, the last few days filling in for Devon, who should be back on Monday. Uh, this is going to do it from us from Buffalo Wild Wings, 65 East Horizon Ridge. Parkway with Red Nation Radio 920. Have a good night.